Welcome back. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Fuliana Osborne and this is Inside Exec. Today we're going to tackle the subject of making decisions, making good decisions, without allowing your feelings to influence those decisions. It's, I guess, the classic case of being focused on the business and the goals and the outcomes that you want to achieve and not allowing yourself to be swayed by how you feel about those or how you feel about the work situation or how you feel personally on the day. So how do we separate those feelings and those emotions from our decision-making activities which are going to have to happen anyway regardless of how we feel or what we're doing on the day? The first thing for me would be to be aware about your feelings at that time. Everything going normal, that's fine, but if you are feeling particularly happy, very excited about some news you got, or if you're feeling very annoyed because someone just did the wrong thing, it could be driving to work and traffic situation, it could be that just before you're about to sit at a meeting, you got this email and this email made you angry. So I guess knowing that and having hopefully developed techniques where you say, I'm going to park that, I'm going to park it because I am not going to think about it until we finish this meeting. But then you have to give yourself time to go and process it. The other side of the coin, I guess, is where a situation is developing and developing and you have ignored it for too long or you have let it just gradually build up to a point where it becomes the breaking point of that activity or that relationship and you think, no more, I'm not going to do it. And that, whilst that is an emotional response, it's still triggering you. The, mo- the emotional response is triggering you to make a decision in that situation. So you can use it to some extent to help you make decisions, but the decision shouldn't be based on the emotion that you're feeling, I guess is the message. And in other words, process things, do not bottle them up so that they become so big that they're going to explode out of your control. The other thing is, this you probably, some people had trouble with when I discussed it, is if I'm in a, in not in the right frame of mind to make a phone call because I just heard something that upset me or made me cranky, if I don't need to make that phone call there and then, I shouldn't. I feel I can just delay it. Some people say that's avoidance and running away or postponing a meeting or not turning up for, to a meeting. I think it's more important that if you can't park your feelings, put them aside and keep your mind clear, is not to be there. Because you should be able to give your very best to the meeting and to other people. In some cases you can't do that. You have to turn up to the meeting, so you have to manage that. But if you can and that helps, then yeah, just delay it. A couple of hours or half an hour or if it's not impacting others, if it's a phone call just on your list to ring, another 10 minutes might do the trick. I think too that you can develop activities that allow you to um, put those emotions in a place where you can either revisit them later if you need them for motivation or you can look at them at arm's length. There's a lot of folks around who rely on meditation and meditation techniques and that doesn't have to mean that you've got to sit for 20 minutes with the sound of the surf crashing through your ears but it can just be that you can take a minute to 
recenter yourself, to place yourself back in the situation that you're going to have to deal with at this point in time, rather than carry an emotion and an emotional response with you into the next situation. As Juliana said, it's about knowing what your reaction is, about putting it in the right place. And maybe the solution for you is to actually write it down. You know, I know of someone who, whenever there is a situation that he feels is becoming too emotional, he has this range of coloured notebooks and it just goes into the notebook for that where the colour depicts the way he feels. So he has his red notebook and he has his purple one and he has his blue one and he just jots down the date and, and something that is a trigger for that particular situation. And the activity of writing it down expels it from his sense of carrying it through to the next activity he's got to do. And sometimes he goes back to them and sometimes he doesn't. That to me is like understanding yourself and what works for you. One of the things, even like, and it's best that when you're not actually faced with a specific time where you're feeling excited or angry, is to understand how your mind and body works. So for me, I'm freshest in the morning. Big decisions, I think them through. If possible, have meetings in the morning, I will. And that is, to me, morning is, is the best time. I'm at my best, I'm at my freshest. I'm not as good when I'm really tired, so if it's a very, very long day and you're on a phone hookup for whatever reason at 9 o'clock at night or midnight after starting at 7 in the morning, I know I'm not at my best, so I have to supplement that by reminding myself to think twice before I speak and to be careful chose of my words and tone. And that's how this is this is a, this is the warning for all of us. Ring her at ten o'clock at night because she'll think twice before she speaks. I might not even answer the phone. No. Um, we can do, we can all try that and see if it works. <laughs> the the other thing is and alright I know Kim will jump in after I say this. If you, as I said, tired or hungry, <laughs> hungry is not good. And it's not just for me. I'm sure other people can relate. I just want to know what time of the day she's <laughs> not hungry. <laughs> that was very cheeky, wasn't it? Um, but if you think about it, again, you probably, m- most people work crazy hours. So if you started work early in the morning and you happen to have a cup of coffee and a piece of toast, and then meetings run into each other, and before you know it, it's really two o'clock, and you haven't even had a chance for another cup of coffee or anything, you, you're going to know that, well, it does, doesn't work for me because I don't think clearly when I'm hungry. And so what I well, do is... Decisions, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I, I think we'll ignore that one. Um, and what, what I do then is make sure that at least in between meetings, even if you've got a couple of minutes, then... Just have something in the drawer that you could have. It might be whatever it is. I'm not going to recommend food, obviously. You know when that trigger point is. You know how to keep it quiet so that you can think clearly. I think in all seriousness, it is important for you to understand that your, your brain function is a chemical and physiological function. So if, you're, if it's not fed the right nutrients, then it can't perform the way that it should do. What you have to recognise is that you do need to fuel your body and your mind for the best performance from those parts of you that, that need to be performing and that you also need to know when in the day those parts of your body perform best 
and what sort of fuel they need. So maybe a cup of coffee and a bit of toast in the morning is not the right thing for you. It might be nice and quick and easy, but it mightn't be the right thing for you to actually be firing on all cylinders. It might be better for you to have tea. It might be better for you to have porridge. You really need to try all of those things and to see not what's convenient, but what works best for you in a physical reaction you know, and how long that takes because that's the other thing that you need to understand is that when the fuel goes in it isn't like an internal combustion engine it won't start working straight away so if you've got for example if you're on a, a health kick and you've decided that you want low GI food that's going to take longer to release into your system so it's not going to help you fire straight away neither is the solution to have a bit of chocolate or sugar to give you that hot, that immediate high because that's not going to help you make a decision. All it's going to do is give you energy and it's, and it's dissipated very quickly. And as we know from the research, you go high really fast and you go low just as fast. So that's not a good situation for you to be in either when you're making decisions. I think also that we've talked about making decisions and about being in meetings and about how you feel going into those situations. I'm going to share with you an emotional, emotionally driven long-term decision. So this is a, an example of long thinking rather than short thinking. My experience in the last 10 years has moved more towards online activities. And although I had other websites initially, and I've had some for quite a long time now, the one that I first developed as a focused commercial venture was based on a passion that I had and, and a, a, a physical business that I had for a short period of time about repairing old books. Now the website, I thought I'll, I'll do it properly this time, I'll actually follow some instructions that were available online for this is the best way to put a website together, to develop it, to get it into the search engines, to do all of the things that you wanted to do in those stages and we're talking late 90s, so early stages of the internet as well. And I was determined that this site was going because I was passionate about the idea, I had all the information that needed to go onto the site, it was an information product rather than selling anything in particular, I wasn't selling my services or anything that I can do. It was about sharing information and about showing people where they could go to buy the resources that they might need to fix these books themselves. Great passion, great idea. It had worked as a physical business, as a mobile business, but I didn't want to do that any longer, so I thought, well, the next move would be online. Followed this course, followed all of the instructions that they had, until I got to the bit where he said, if you haven't had X number of visits in the first four weeks of having your site up, you have to decide if this is a business or not. And naturally enough, I hadn't had that number of visits. He wanted, I'll talk in numbers, he wanted us to have had 200 visits to the website in the first month, which these days you wouldn't think twice about. You would be hoping you'd get that number a day, if not an hour in some cases. But 200 visits in the month, and if you weren't getting those, then you had to be really critical and serious about making a decision about whether this it was worth your effort and time continue on with this website and if you had to decide that no it wasn't then that was just all you had lost was that particular website what you had learned along the way was how to develop the business online how to develop the website 
what to do in that situation. So it wasn't a complete loss. What you'd learnt was a system that you could continue on with, and I saw that as a very valuable lesson. However, I wasn't going to give up my passion, and this was a very emotional and feelings-driven decision, and I persevered, and I persevered. And to this day, I still have that website. And yes, these days it does get more than 200 visits, but I couldn't possibly live off the income that it brings in. It does bring in some income. And, and I guess to a certain extent, my initial decision was not that it would bring in income. I wasn't deciding that this was going to be my income earner, but I wanted to have that presence. I wanted to have that information shared. But the decision, the business decision that I was being told to make I chose not to make based on how I felt about the topic, not about, and I clung to that decision, even though I knew that it, over years and years and years it wasn't going to bring in anything like the income that it should be bringing in. But I clung to that decision because I clung to the emotion that was attached to the development of that idea in the first place. So I still fall into that category. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but you made your decisions based on facts and development over time, which is it's quite sound. In relation to making decisions, when you're very excited about some great news you just had, for example, you just got the results and they to do with your sales achievements and you found that you and your team have way exceeded the targets at very, very difficult times. You were the golden-headed division and everybody's singing your praises from within the organisation and outside and all the rest of it. So you're very excited, you're on cloud nine. The staff come to you and obviously they deserve all the praise and you're organised to celebrate and all the rest of it. But over that period of a week, it's still very buzzy. And people come to you for approval for things like, can I work three days a week? Can we have a, a celebration every Friday because that's team building? Whatever it is, believe it or not, even the most conservative person, when they're on a high, <laughs> they're more likely to say yes than no. You very much want to say yes and you want to stay positive and, and reward. But there are basic questions that you need to be satisfied with before you do that. So it always helps if you have a general way, a checklist in your mind that you go through for major and long-term decision making. Those ones that will make major effect on your staff, on your customer, on your business and set a precedent if you like. I find it useful to say, have I got all the facts? Would this idea work now? Will it work in the future? Is this idea good to go as a one-off or is this can be repeated and used? What about other divisions using it as a model? Where, where should I get the information? So instead of getting all the answers there and then, the first thing you might say, look, it looks very attractive in principle, so stay positive, but don't mislead them. And say, but I really don't want to commit until we get all the facts. So what I need is a, a proper business case, in other words. Why, what are the benefits and the usual things, facts, figures, the benefit to the organisation, benefit to the person, and what's the expected outcome, and what's the cost. Is there a cost? And if there is a cost, is it an upfront cost? Is it upfront plus, continuous cost? Is it going to raise revenue? And is it going to be one-off raising revenue? So there's a whole lot of questions that you normally would ask 
And believe it or not, we all got them. So you run through that checklist and you talk to the person and you say, look, let's see if this is going to work and these are the sort of things we're going to have. If the person had it for a long time and they've been thinking about it and thought, this is my time when she's on cloud nine and we all are, then that person shouldn't have any problem with giving you all the answers straight away. They would have known you, worked with you before and know what sort of information you need to make decisions. If not, they can go and do it. That's probably a very important point to make, is that if you, as a manager, have set up a, a situation, a framework of management, where your people know how you make decisions, and that regardless of whether it's a good time to see you or it's not a good time to see you, that if they're asking for a decision, the decision will be made on this framework, then they're always going to come to you with that framework filled out. And so the decision-making, the, the opportunity for you to be swayed by feelings at the time of the decision-making is lessened because you've set up that framework for everyone to work with, not just for you, but for the people who are bringing you ideas or issues about which you need to make a decision. Which is really talking about consistency. Good leaders are consistent. They don't give mixed messages. They don't try to use a different set of rules for one decision and or one person on one area or whatever. So you're showing consistency and fairness in executing those decisions. I think that is the approach that we want to take. We want to be able to show that we can manage consistently and that in managing consistently everyone has a better outcome in any situation. That there isn't a, a, a history or an indication in any area that you can't suggest things, you can't hope for changes, you can't make any difference in an organisation because you've got to catch this person on the right day or you, they just don't make decisions, they, they're just a, a long thinker in that they, you know, they'll ask for all of the information and then nothing happens or, or decisions are made when a crisis occurs. And that's when everyone is emotional rather than just you making the decision. And, and so that, that storm of emotions and that storm of feelings that are raging around when a crisis occurs, and sometimes it can be a crisis over which you have no control. You know, We can all do a SWOT analysis and there's still the T in the SWOT. There's still the threat over which you have no control. Yeah. In those situations, we will have an emotional response. We will have feelings about how we've got to this place what we can do about it, why it happened to us, all of the reactions that we would normally have, they have to all be put aside and we fall back on process. We fall back on the consistent approach that has helped us in the past and that is the only way that you can keep emotions and feelings out of your decision-making, I think. And one last thing, make sure you involve the right people in that decision-making. Not all decisions should only be made by you uh, or by the person requesting and providing the, the backup for that request, but involve the right people because there might be other angles that haven't been covered in the initial submission. And now, so that uh, Fuliana doesn't have to make an emotional decision about what she's going to eat next in the break we have after we finish recording this and start on the next episode I will say that that is all for today I'm Kim Bailey, she's Juliana Osborne and this is Inside Exec